fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome into the program. Another day, another day to rock and roll. The greatest day of the entire week. I don't care what anyone says, man. It's a Tuesday. We're ready to rock and roll for another one. Welcome into the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, and our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Your Millennial General reporting for duty. Welcome aboard. Great to have you today. Big show lined up. As usual, man, we are starting off Washington, D.C. perfectly. Just exactly how it's supposed to be done. It was a tough fight to get there, but you know what? Real conversations need to happen. Tough conversations needed to happen. And guess what? We made it happen now. We're working together. I thought. Well, hold on a second. I thought the media said we were broken, we were bitter, we were bickering amongst each other, we weren't doing anything productively, we weren't doing anything together, we were going to just slow down all of progress in Congress because we weren't going to actually get anything done properly. Simply because of the fact that Republicans didn't unite going into the vote for the Speaker of the House. I'm confused on how that works. We'll get into that here in just a minute. Richard Battle is coming on the program at the bottom of the hour. We love having him on the show. He is the author of the book Made in America by Americans, not Americans. He's down in Texas, and we'll look forward to chatting with him on his take on everything that's going on as well. Before we get into anything hard-pressing, we got to say first and foremost, thoughts and prayers out to the family. I did not see this until earlier today where it broke both on Donald Trump's social media post from Truth Social and from their Twitter page themselves as well, their confirmed Twitter page. But Diamond and Silk, Diamond of Diamond and Silk has officially passed away at the age of 51. The cause of death so far has not been announced to the public at least. So very sad to hear. I don't know what that means for their shows on Fox or their podcast or their live streams. Uh, Unfortunately, Obviously, with one being down, I don't know how much longer the show will continue on, but thoughts and prayers to them. They are absolute fighters. They are warriors. They are wonderful individuals and bringing the conservative voice to communities and members that may not normally hear conservative messages and messages of Donald Trump and of the Republicans. So thoughts and prayers to them. That is absolutely devastating. It'd be devastating for anybody. Because, you know, we're not the heartless ones here. If you remember, there's a big difference on how Republicans and Democrats handle this type of issue compared to when Rush Limbaugh passed away a few years ago from the Democrats and their response. Oh, thank God, that hate monger's off the radio. Or if you remember the uh, communications director for the Bush administration, Tony Snow, when he died a few years ago under the Bush administration, when he died from brain cancer. And again, the Democrats, oh, man, thank God, that conservative, that wackadoodle, he is done. He is gone. Good riddance to him. It's sad and pathetic, and that's where we are in some form of humanity now. But uh, whether it was a Republican or Democrat doesn't matter. But Diamond of Diamond and Silk passing away at the age of 51. Thoughts and prayers to her. That is horrible news and not a... uh, not the way to start off a program, unfortunately. Not the way to start off the day hearing that bit of news. So thoughts and prayers to them. Maybe we'll get some info on what the cause of death was later on. But again, that's kind of a personal thing with the family. Outside of that bit of doom and gloom for the day, let's get in some positive news, shall we? What's trending today? So today, now that things are back under, we've sworn everybody in it yesterday in the House of Representatives. That it was essentially a short day for them. I've noticed that members of Congress don't like to work very long hours. 
<laughs> if you, the last week when they didn't get the vote right off the bat for the House speakership, they adjourned at like two in the afternoon. All right, we'll do it again tomorrow, and then the next day. All right, we'll vote until we'll start at noon. We'll wrap up at like four, and then we'll reconvene either later tonight or we'll do it again tomorrow. That's kind of the work ethic of government employees and of Congress. But they did it yesterday again. They adjourned. They swore everybody in. They did their ceremonial, hey, hoorah, welcome to the party, and then they all adjourned again. Today, they've officially made some votes, and we've started off. Again, Democrats can't quite fathom the fact that we had a confrontation during the Speaker's vote, that we clashed a little bit, that we butted heads just a little bit, and then they're they're just mind-blown that we can all unite and work together for progress down the road. When conservatives said, this is nothing personal, we're working to try and push forward the conservative agenda, try and rein Kevin McCarthy in, have a little bit more transparency, change the way government's done just a little bit in Washington, D.C., and actually have some progress with conservative Republican agendas. And the Democrats, oh, yeah, sure, they're broken. Remember, that was the whole time, all last week, oh, they're broken. They can't agree. They had the, the firing squad circling amongst themselves. When Lauren Boebert, congresswoman of Colorado, that really led the charge on the conservative front, said, hey, once we're done, we're going to unite. Now it's time to get the job done. Matt Gates, same thing. Hey, we voted. It's done. He's speaker. Now let's get some jobs done. Let's get some bills done. Let's work together here. This was earlier today as, I love this, a two-page bill, not a 2,000-page bill, not a 2,500-page bill, a two-page bill. That would reverse the funding of the 87,000 IRS agents was up for grabs in the House of Representatives. And Lauren Boebert on Forbes News ended up saying this. Hey, everyone. We are back in session here in Washington, D.C., and I'm about to cast my vote for our very first bill this Congress. It's two pages, not thousands. It has one subject and zero earmarks. Oh, and... It'll help stop the harassment of the American citizens by prohibiting those 87,000 IRS agents from ever even being hired. That's conservative governance at its finest. More freedom, less government, and we are just getting started. What? A two-page bill? What? Hold on a second. That's Is that legal? <laughs> is that legal in Washington, D.C.? Because I don't know if it is. I don't know if you can actually pass a two-page bill. But that was the first one. And here's the crazy part. Unanimous across the board. 222 Republicans passed it in the House of Representatives. It's passed. Now, here's the thing. It's still going to happen. It goes to the Senate, which the Senate's not going to pass it because Democrats like the militarization and the weaponizing of the federal government against the people of the United States. So they're not going to pass it there. The, the president already said he would veto it if it ever got to his desk, which is not going to get to the desk in the first place. But he wouldn't sign on to it. But it's the principle of it. Republicans doing what they said they're going to do. Now, I warn you. That Republicans did that as well back in the day under the Barack Obama administration, where they tried to repeal Obamacare seven or eight different times. They passed it in the House. It didn't go any further than that. But then when we did get the majority in both chambers again and the presidency, then we didn't do it. So it's a good sign of faith that now conservatives have reigned in the party and led them further to the right. We have to keep that going. It's like the mosh pit at the rock concert where you do it for a song and a half and then you're wore out and you end up standing on the sidelines. For those that may not relate to that analogy, let's go into baseball or any sporting activity that you can't burn yourself out in the first quarter or in the first half and then have to try and struggle your way through the rest of the game because you burnt yourself out. This is my warning to Republicans. Don't burn yourself out. And I know you're working really hard right now. You have to endure after like four or five hours of work. But... 
I'm saying be consistent throughout this entire next two years. We want simplified bills. We want no pork attached to the bills. And we want things to actually run on a conservative front passing this. We know they're not going to go anywhere. We know they're not going to go any further than the House of Representatives passing them, but it's the principle of the thing saying we are willing to do that over and over and over again until it goes through, hopefully when we get the Senate, hopefully when we get the presidency again in two years, and then all of these things that we're passing now, we just represent them and do it all over again. No changing it. No, oh, well, we need to go back to the drawing board and try and do it all over again. No, no, we need to do it just as we are right now. The passing of the House rules have also passed as well in the House representatives today. Jim Jordan spoke earlier today, I believe, with Fox News to say how important that vote was as well. This rules package is designed to do is to stop what we saw happen literally 15 days ago, where the Democrats passed a $1.7 trillion monstrosity of a bill that spent the American taxpayers' money in all kinds of crazy ways. So that's what that's, it's why you have a 72 hours to actually review the document. We're going to enforce that rule. The Democrats didn't have that rule. So we, a single subject, so you can't have a bill where you throw all kinds of other things on that piece of legislation. What? So those are the kind of rules that we think make sense. And also spreading members out on committees across the conference so you get the diversity of opinion within the Republican conference on all the key committees. You will get a better product coming out of committee, which will then go to the floor, which gives you a better opportunity to pass the kind of legislation to address the problems that I just talked about. So that's what the rules package is designed to do. I think we're going to get it passed tomorrow. And like I said, get working for the American people. Dude. Dude. Again, this is the difference between what's actually going to happen with all of Congress uniting to get things done and Republicans standing their ground and doing what they said they're going to do. I give them props. If you're a conservative right now, you should be giddy. Again, these things aren't going to happen as in they're going to be passed by both chambers of Congress and signed by the president. But the fact that we're promoting these in the House, Republicans are doing what they're saying they're going to do, and hopefully they hold up their end of the bargain is when Democrats from the Senate end up sending their bills over to the House. We can stop those as well. So the next question is, what's actually in the rules bill now for the House representatives? How they have to operate on the floor of the House of Representatives? Well, according to PBS, which they just kind of break things down here, weakening the House speakership with a new rule allowing that one individual can raise the motion to vacate the chair or remove the speaker. Now, obviously, that goes to a full House floor vote. More than likely, it's not going to happen, but at least there's one individual that can try and hold Kevin McCarthy accountable if he starts to steer away as the elections get closer and he tries to go a little bit more squishy on us. But here's the big pieces of the bills, or at least the rules in the House of Representatives right now. Number one, blocking tax increases and encouraging spending cuts where they say income tax increases require a three-fifths vote on the House. No longer do they just need a generic 218 votes. Because you know there's about 10 or 15 or 20 Republicans that are the squishy mods that are going to vote with Democrats on occasion, especially when a spending bill comes on there and be like, well, we need it for the social programs. We need it for those that are going to die in the streets unless we actually pass a government safety net bill. You know it. You know it's going to happen. But this one now, you no longer just need the 218 votes. If you're going to raise taxes, you have to get 261 House members to do it. That ain't happening. So for the next two years, plod yourself, pat yourself on the back. If Republicans stay true to this, even going into budget cycle in September of next year, when we run, when the federal budget ends in October, the new fiscal year begins for 2024 for the House of Representatives. If they stay true to their word, you will not see a tax increase. 
Also, allowing amendments to cut spending in general during spending debates, House Republicans are allowed to amend and propose amendments on the House floor that cut spending to be considered pretty dramatically. Limit short-term spending, limit long-term spending. The rules are set to uh, prevent any bill estimated to spend more than $2.5 billion in any four consecutive fiscal years in a coming decade. No more. You cannot pass a bill that actually spends more than $2.5 billion in any four fiscal years combined. Along with cut-as-you-go, blocking on increases of mandatory spending. Mandatory spending essentially means long-term federal programs that have their own funding formulas in law. Meaning, the if we've said this many times on the show, there's the mandatory spending part of the budget and the discretionary spending of the budget. The mandatory, that shouldn't be mandatory, is all the social programs, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, WIC, all these programs that just grow by 2, 3, 4, 5, 6% every single year. Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen anymore. They're blocking the increases in the mandatory spending until it's actually looked at. Maybe, just maybe, by next year, we could have our 12 appropriations bills for our budget as opposed to one big omnibus package that's trillions upon trillions of dollars. All of these are the new House rules that they must abide by. Democrats are livid and just squirming in their seats. And as long as Republicans hold true to this, every Republican across the nation should be applauding and giddy with the fact that this is passed and these are the rules now that the House representatives must abide by when bills are proposed on the House floor. You feel good for 2023? You excited? You excited about things that are going to happen? I know I am. Let's get to here on a Tuesday for The Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Watching some of the comments on the live streams that you can find on numerous different platforms. Facebook, YouTube, Twitch.tv, Instagram, TikTok. I don't know that we stream live on TikTok, but we do have a TikTok page. Also on the Tweety, which you can find it both for the Voice of Reason at Hoosier Reason. H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. No I in Hoosier. H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. Also the website at HoosierReason.com. You can find the video and audio all over those sites. Also with OpsLens, our family over there, O-P-S-L-E-N-S.com. You can check out their website and app and uh, social media sites as well. We stream on all of those. I am seeing some of the comments uh, throughout most of these. What about the Second Amendment? Here's again some good news is that we have limited the ability for Congress to pass any anti-Second Amendment legislation for sure because of the Republicans in the House of Representatives. Now, again, we need Republicans to stay strong and continue to fight some of that, but they cannot raise the bill in the House because overwhelmingly the Republicans will not go against the Second Amendment because that would look really, really bad to their constituency. If a bill resonates out of the Senate, they could stop them there. The only concern that we have with the Second Amendment issues right now would be from executive order from the Biden administration. That's the only way we can stop it. And even then, what we could try to do would be to actually uh, raise a bill in the House that says that we condemn that and that you constitutionally can't uh, be signing that executive order and then try to challenge it in the U.S. Supreme Court. So there are battles to be had. 
So it's still lingering as a threat, obviously. It's always going to be lingering as, as a threat. We're never going to be able to get rid of the concern completely, but at least we've been able to handicap their ability to go after the Second Amendment pretty dramatically over the next two years, which, in my opinion, is good news. The other bit that they're really working on in the House of Representatives, they say they want more transparency. When there's a concern, and obviously the the 20 Republicans that fought against Kevin McCarthy were, were concerned about this, the transparency, the shadow government the elites, the establishment, whatever you want to call them, that sit there behind the uh, smoke-filled rooms, behind the closed doors, and make all of their political deals for them to support one bill or another. You know who you are, those of you that supported the $1.7 trillion omnibus package for your nice little special interest. Oh, I brought money to the state and started a program. Yeah, I know who you are. I've seen you across all these states. Republicans especially, and I'm coming after you, politically speaking. We know who you are, but no more of those. They want more transparency. I don't know why this is such a complicated matter for them to be like, we're going to bring more transparency. Here's what you do. And we've done this here in Kansas, where I hail from with our flagship radio station. Uh, In our legislative sessions in Topeka, Kansas, which is our capital, we have our Capitol building. And what we do now is we have the KS Legislature YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe and watch it. And they have live streams of all of the committee rooms of all the discussions that are going on. That's all you do. It's not that difficult. Dude, we live in the 21st century. Put up a webcam, a video camera connected to a laptop, and when you have your meeting, hit go, live stream it, and anybody can watch the conversation you're having. That's all you have to do. It's not that complicated in today's time. You're the government. You should be able to figure it out. I know it's going to probably cost you $1.5 million to get some consultant to confirm it, to get the tech company to approve it, to be able to build this thing and wire it up. I know that you guys do things extremely ineffective, extremely inefficient, and extremely cost inefficient, but at the same time, do it. Throw in an I'll even buy you an $80 webcam on Amazon. I'll send it to you. You hook it up to a laptop and you live stream the committees and the subcommittees on everything you're doing. Transparency is not that difficult. Honestly, I'd open be uh, I'd also be open to the fact that they put a webcam in all of the congressmen and women's offices as well so we can see the conversations they have behind closed doors in their office with other members of Congress as well. I don't see why that's a problem. Why don't we do that? I want to hear what you're talking about. I want to know how much time you spend on work versus how much time you spend on campaigning and fundraising for the next election versus how much you spend on talking with special interests versus how much time you spend on the floor debating actual issues and building presentations and debating others from across the aisle. I want to know these things, and it's not that difficult to do. Get rid of the shadows. It's time to put the light in the shadows and to see everything going on in Washington, D.C. Lots more coming up. Richard Battle right around the corner here on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Oh, man, I was listening to the local weather report for our local radio station here in the Wichita area. I know we're all over the place, and I usually don't talk about Kansas or Wichita a whole lot on the program because if you don't live in the area, then you really don't care. But (laughs) we're at 60 degrees today in January, which is absolutely mind-blowing, and I love it. I would have worn my shorts today because I I wear shorts just about every day, even when it's like negative 20, but I have a meeting tonight, so... I couldn't wear my shorts, which, you know, made me cringe a little bit with 60-degree weather. But then tomorrow we're supposed to get snow. Come on, man. 
Pick a side. Pick a side. Thank you, AOC. Thank you, Al Gore, for saving us from the global warming and the climate change or whatever the hell it's supposed to be nowadays. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation one radio listener at a time. Outside of the two bills that have already passed the House of Representatives already, I don't know if this one has been voted on yet, if it passed or if it's still sitting there as a potential. But with Republicans ramming through what they say that they're holding up their promises from election season with the lead of Kevin McCarthy, which is fascinating to watch now that we have him on the very tight leash. The Georgia Republican Representative Buddy Carter has reintroduced a bill on the House floor for the fair tax that they're supposed to be voting on as well. With the, for those that don't know what the fair tax is, there are two different tax plans conservatives have been tossing back and forth to each other. The flat tax, which is whether you're an inco- individual or whether you're a business entity, that you just pay a flat tax across the board, 10%, whatever it is, no matter what, just the income. The fair tax would essentially get rid of the income tax, make the IRS essentially irrelevant, and you would just pay strictly sales tax on your goods, which is the way it was supposed to be originally in this nation. If you remember, the revolution was started because of a 2% raise on sales tax. They didn't have an income tax then. It was just a raise on sales tax on especially tea and on guns. And we didn't like that. So to hell with you, Great Britain, we're going to start our own nation because you're taxing us too damn much taxation without representation. Remember that phrase? Haven't heard that one in a while. Now, we're trying to get back to that during World War One and Two, with the government wanting more money. Don't worry. We'll just go ahead and tax your income a little bit, and we'll do it so you don't even know. You don't even realize how much money is going out of your paycheck. We'll just go ahead and take that a little bit, and we'll have different tax brackets based on how much you have. But the fair tax has been officially reintroduced. We'll see if Republicans unite behind that. Again, not going to go anywhere. Democrats in the Senate are going to stop it. The Joe Biden administration is going to block it and veto it. But it's the principle. Why the hell not? And I'm excited about that. Let's get into what's trending of the day. What's trending today? Really happy to have this guy back on the program to help kick off 2023. Great friend of the show. We've had him on many times before. He is author of the book Made in America by Americans, not Americans. Excited to have on the program Mr. Richard Battle with us here. Richard, Happy New Year, brother. How you doing? Happy New Year, Andy. Thank you so much for having us back with you again. Hey, it's always good to chat with you. What's your thoughts on over the last week or so, the four days of voting for the Speaker of the House, and now the Republicans, I thought we were torn and divided and couldn't agree, and we're in the firing squad together, and now we've had two votes, both on the House rules and on the repealing of the IRS agents and trying to defund the IRS in that sense, of unanimous 222 Republicans all voting together. What a shocker. Well, I think what's fascinating to me are the things that are not being discussed that have happened in the last week, and then I'll tell you the result of that. And during all of the acrimony for the four days of voting for Speaker, the media tried to make it out like it was all based on personality issues, or you had rogue Republicans who didn't know what they want and couldn't make up their mind and moved the goalposts and did different things. And lo and behold, once there was an agreement to the items that the Freedom Caucus asked for, then the Speaker was approved. And no one talked about yesterday when they passed the rules last night, it was a 55-page bill. Normally when bills are talked about, they have to be marked up and scored, and it takes two or three days to get them ready to vote on with the legal language and everything. And you notice that this one was done almost overnight. 
which tells me that that it was a lot more solid in what was being negotiated earlier than anyone wanted to let people know. And that's the secret that I would like to know more detail about. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, now we have the media telling us that, oh, it's just going to take one Republican to screw up the whole Congress in the next two years. And so they keep trying to create this fear, uncertainty, and doubt to give people less confidence in what's going on. And every bill that gets passed advocating conservative positions I believe will help establish that credibility, as you mentioned in the last half hour, going forward in the next couple of elections. Yeah, it's almost like the media, which they thrive on, you know, the uh, the drama. They thrive on the division. They thrive on that stuff. That's what makes them popular is by being able to spread that. It's like they're wanting to create Congress to be this Real Housewives, you know, drama sitcom in Washington. But now that we've gotten this and we've reined in Kevin McCarthy and we're seeing these unanimous votes now, it's like Republicans are lockstep right now. Like you mentioned, we're not looking at thousands of page bills. We're looking at a 55-page House rule bill and a two-page bill that defunds the IRS that was voted on unanimously with 222 Republicans. This is the way Congress is supposed to be working. We've battled out our differences. Now we can move forward in a unified family form and we can actually get something done. Yes, and it's extremely important, especially for the millennial and younger generations to be active right now and communicate with their elected officials that they agree or disagree with how they're voting. Let them know they care because the younger generation is the one that's getting screwed the worst by the last Congress and the omnibus bill. That $1.7 trillion, which I really think was lower than the actual number will be, you're going to be paying for that for generations to come because of that encumbrance that was put on the younger generations. And if they were aware of how this hurt them going forward and their ability to prosper and be free, they would be in the streets with pitchforks right now. Yeah, that is very true. Talk about Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert, because they were kind of the, the front-leading conservatives against Kevin McCarthy, or at least trying to negotiate a lot of the deals. That Friday night, before they did the final two votes, that 14th and 15th vote that sealed it in for Kevin McCarthy, they went on Sean Hannity on Fox News and talked about how Matt Gates said, essentially, we've run out of things to ask for. Everything that we've tried to negotiate that Kevin McCarthy balked at at first He's now agreed to. We've run out of things. So, yeah, he's going to be speaker, and we've come to at least uh, almost sealing the deal for this thing because uh, we have nothing else to ask for. I mean, talk about the tactics over the last few days on how difficult it was because all we heard was that moderate Republicans were going to side with Democrats to give Democrats the House speakership with a Republican majority or that we were going to come to a, uh, a bipartisan coalition with McCarthy and Democrats and moderate Republicans and how the, Rep the conservatives were the ones that were destroying the process and trying to throw a temper tantrum because they just wanted everything in this process. Was that really what was going on here? No, I think that was a wishful thinking from the left and, <laughs> and the media that Republicans would come over and elect a Democrat speaker. And again, they were trying to stampede the Republican base with fear that if they do not elect McCarthy, then this is going to happen and the Republicans are going to be hurt. But as we saw and we see so often most of these scare tactics never never occur what to me was interesting about uh, Bobert and Gates was uh, Lauren Bobert had said amongst the many things she had said that they had started negotiating with McCarthy last summer mm. telling him what they wanted and they were basically dismissed by him as they would have said in a condescending fashion 
uh, and that showed that he believed he was going to have a majority where he did not need to cave to the conservatives, that he could allow the swamp rules to continue unabated and not have any changes at all. The question I have is whether that, if they if they truly ran out of things to ask for, and then there was still a little delay, was that a little extra punishment showing him their importance so that he would treat them better going forward? And that would be what I would have suspected. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And, and mention that. I mean, let's talk about the importance of that. It is such a narrow vote. We need 218 for a majority, obviously, now, which is what they needed if everybody would have voted for the speakership one way or the other. 218 is that threshold. We have 222. We are essentially four votes up. That means that every vote matters from the moderate side of the Republican Party to the conservative side of the Republican Party. Every vote matters, and a single vote can sway things one way or another. What does that mean for the Republican Party, who predominantly is a bunch of wicked, wild, independent, free thinkers that want to do things on their own terms as opposed to walking lockstep with the caucus? And how difficult does that make the job for uh, Steve Scalise, who's the House Majority Whip? Well, I think the thing that that does is it gives each congressperson more strength, and it makes them important. They have to be listened to. Their votes can't be taken for granted. Uh, those 20 people that stood up against McCarthy last week, they 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 were risking their careers. Yeah. They were risking being primaried by the Congressional Campaign Fund if McCarthy, McCarthy got elected and they didn't vote for him. Uh, they were risking their reputations. They were risking committee chairs. And we saw yesterday that Dan Crenshaw lost his committee chair because of how, as you mentioned earlier, how he addressed Republicans as terrorists. And so those 20 people put everything on the line for the conservative cause. And I think it's important that we encourage them and we embolden others to join them going forward so that we can have a solid conservative front. Well, and it just reinforces the idea that when a big vote's coming up, that you calling your elected official in your district is more important than ever because their vote could be the tying singular vote to sway it one way or the other with how important a lot of these votes are. And you're right, the conservatives, if they didn't get what they needed and it didn't go their way and Kevin McCarthy would have gotten in there without their support or those negotiations, they would be essentially lame ducks in Congress. They would not have any com- committee ships. They wouldn't have any type of uh, authority in any way, shape, or form, or voice in any way, shape, or form. And it would essentially be irrelevant to be in D.C., which would have been dangerous. So they put their political careers on the line, like you mentioned. I like how you put that. Richard Battle, when we take a break here, I want to come back talk about moving forward, how we move forward with this Republican majority in the House, but not in the Senate or the presidency. How does the next couple of years look like here in Washington? We'll do that and more coming up for a Tuesday on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into it. I had to bring that old music back. I like all the other imaging that we've done, trying to freshen up the show a little bit, change things up. But this old one, man, I, we had to bring it back. I got some messages. Andy, where's the Irish music at the end? So here it is. Had to bring that one back. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back into the show. Last few minutes of the program here, wrapping up for a Tuesday. Covered a lot of ground already. What's going on in Washington, D.C.? Again, I'm optimistic about the direction we're going. The question is, can we keep it up? 
can we be consistent as we continue to move forward with the House and the Republicans uniting together to complete their agenda and say that they've been able to fulfill their campaign promises? Right now, we're talking with Richard Battle, author of the book Made in America by Americans, not Americans, which you can find on Amazon and other places as well. Richard, let's talk about moving forward and what we're doing here. What are the importance of some of these bills? Obviously, as we mentioned, they're more than likely not going to go anywhere. The Senate's going to stop them. And, and if by some crazy whim or surprise that we do see the Senate pass it, we still have Joe Biden as president. So we're not going to see the Republican agenda be fulfilled. But how important is it to still see these bills come out of the House of Representatives that are pushed by Republicans right now? Well, I think for several reasons. One, it encourages the base that, hey, if we can deliver majorities, we can turn the country back to the prosperity and success we've had before and the individual freedom and stop this movement toward a total nanny state that we're on. So that's the first thing. Second, it's going to communicate to the opposition that they are going to lose in the future because most of these things are popular with the people if the people are aware of them. Uh, doing term limits for Congress. That's one of the bills they want to put up. Uh, establishing the Texas border plan to add border security. That's another popular one. So doing these in the House, publicizing them, getting the public to in- encourage the people that push it, and then tell the people that don't push it that if you don't vote for this, we're going to primary you, we're going to donate money to your opponents, we're going to vote against you, put them on warning I think is what we need to do. And we need individual citizens, as you said earlier, calling their Congress people or emailing them, but they also got to vote because those elected officials, the first thing they'll check to see is, do you vote or not? And if you don't vote, then they won't take your comments as seriously. Yeah, amen to that. Last couple questions as we kind of wrap things up here, but the investigation committees that I know are going to be, as Donald Trump likes to say, huge and bigly. We have Jim Jordan that's going to be heading up the Judicial uh, Committee to be able to do some of the investigations on a Hunter Biden laptop, on Dr. Fauci and the COVID-19 pandemic. Now we have the mishandling of classified documents from the Vice President Joe Biden back in the day. Oh, my. Oh, my. Again, Richard, it always seems like they're looking in the mirror that whenever they accuse the Republicans of doing something, then all we have to do is just have them look in the mirror to see who the real fault is. Is anything going to come of any of this, the prosecution of Hunter Biden or of Joe Biden for the classified documents or uh, the Hunter Biden laptop or anything else? I mean, will we actually see some progress on these things? Well, I would like to think so, but history demonstrates the odds are pretty slim. Uh, But what's really interesting, if you go back to the classified documents, is after Watergate, they passed legislation that gave ex-presidents the ability to take documents and use them for a period of time uh, in preparing their memoirs, setting their libraries up, and things of that type nature. And every president from Jimmy Carter forward had done that. No one had ever been given a hard time for it or anything until all of a sudden they went after Trump. And, of course, presidents can declassify any document at any time, but vice presidents can't, which makes this situation totally different than Donald Trump and makes it much more of a legal issue for President Biden than it should be for President Trump. Uh, Do you think the FBI is going to do a raid on the Biden household? 
I don't think they'd rate anything associated <laughs> with him. <laughs> I don't know. That I don't would know. Be the shock of the year. Hey, if they did that, you're right. I think that would be a bit of a shock. Well, we'll see where that goes. But at least now, maybe we can see a House of Representatives that can at least do a real investigation, get some real information out of these yahoos in Washington, and get rid of some of the shadowness that goes on there. As I mentioned, it's very easy to be transparent. Just put up a webcam and a live stream on YouTube with everything going on in the committees and subcommittees, and then voila, we can hear the conversations. I don't know why this is that difficult. Richard Battle, I appreciate the time. I would add one more more thing. I think Congress people ought to wear body cameras like police officers. I like that. I like that. Put in the body cameras. You have to wear it at all times for the full transparency. You're being paid for by the taxpayer. We get to see your everyday life. I love it. Richard, always good to talk to you, my friend. Happy New Year. Let's do it again real soon, brother. My pleasure. God bless America. Hey, God bless America. Appreciate that. Lots more coming up on the program tomorrow for a Wednesday. My own congressman here in the Wichita area will get the update from what happened in D.C., the firsthand experience, all that and more. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.